This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Just want to read verse 6 and 7. And then I'll read for you 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1. But you don't need to turn to that. So Acts 1, 6 and 7. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1, Paul writes, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write unto you. The Lord Jesus lived very clearly in the rhythms of God. He had a very real sense of the timings of God. Pivotal moments in the Father's plan for his life. You remember at the wedding feast of Cana and Galilee, he said to his mother, my hour is not yet come. Speaking of a, a greater feast, and a greater wedding feast. And in John chapter 7, if I may just turn to that just for a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand, his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, sorry, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The word cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. We know that in Matthew 26, 17 to 19, again he affirms something when he knew very soon he was going to go to the cross and he made it very clear to his disciples, my time is at hand. He knew the time had come. You remember in John 11, how that when the news came to him that Lazarus, his friend, was sick, and it says in John 11, I beg your pardon, Verses 6 and 7, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days in the place where he was. 
Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And so over and over and over again, we see Jesus demonstrating that he was working to an entirely different timetable. He was working to the Father's timetable, and he knew it. Now, I have said this bit to you before, and it's good to remind you of it. There are two words particularly in the New Testament that are frequently used regarding time. And the two words are chronos and kairos. In fact, those two scriptures we read at the very beginning there actually tells us that. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times, chronos, or the seasons, kairos, which the Father has put in his own authority. Apostle Paul picks up on this, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1. But concerning the times, chronos, and the seasons, kairos, brethren, you have no need that I should write unto you. So what do these two terms mean? Very simply, chronos. Chronos is where we get uh, a timepiece uh, is something that's chronographic. It tells the time. Uh, we talk about history, the chronicles of, well, say, novels, the chronicle of Narnia, the history of Narnia, chronicles, it comes from this word chronos. And so it, it simply means a, a duration of time. But kairos is different. It's a fixed time. It's an appointed time. Chronos means the passing of time. Kairos means a right time, a proper time. Chronos means the length of time. Kairos means a favorable time, an opportune time. So to put that simply, if Chronos is a moment of time, Kairos is a moment in time. If Chronos is a period of time, Kairos is a point in time. If Chronos is quality, quantity of time, Kairos is quality of time. If chronos has to do with the totality of your life, however long or short that may be, then kairos has to do with the timings of your life, your due seasons, those God appointments, those moments when your, your hour comes. Now, the disciples were asking the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And do you remember how that uh, for three years Jesus had walked with them? And, and eventually they caught on that he was the Messiah. They saw the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the walking on water, raising the dead. So they were convinced he was the Messiah. He would be the one that would restore Israel's fortunes for sure. That was until he was tried and crucified as a common criminal on a cross and was dead and was buried. And in that whole vision of Israel being restored and him being the Messiah, it crashed and smashed in a million pieces at their feet. 
But then after the third day, he rose again and he showed himself to them and they were disciples glad when they saw the Lord and suddenly their hopes were raised again, even more so this time because they saw him literally come back from the dead. Surely he is the Messiah. Surely he will restore the fortunes of Israel. He'll make the kingdom of Israel to come at this time. He'll deal with those pagan Romans and Israel will have a golden era all over again. So they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has in his hand. Actually, the kingdom wasn't restored to Israel during their lifetime. Still hasn't been restored even during our lifetime, but it's coming. It's coming. There will come a day when Israel again will have its fortunes restored. There'll come a day whenever they recognize Jesus as their Messiah. There'll come a time when they will worship him and they will turn to him with all of their hearts. That day is coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. It's in the Father's plan. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Esther was a beautiful Jewess who happened to be one of the queens of Ahasuerus, the Medo-Persian king. And you remember how that a plot was hatched by Haman who hated her uncle Mordecai and in turn hated the Jews. He was an anti-Semite. And how that plan was unfolding, but how God revealed it. And then you remember how that Mordecai said to the beautiful Esther, you need to go and talk to the king. She says, but do you not understand that I haven't been in to see him in 30 days? I'm just one of other queens, and it's not my turn. And if I just walk in and announce, well, he could just kill me. And he says, but do you not understand that if you don't do this, you'll not be spared either, or your household will all be wiped out. So she says, give me some time to fast and to pray, and use fast and pray, and my maids will fast and pray, and then I'll go in. And she says, if I perish, I perish. But the key to the whole thing was that Mordecai said, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai knew this is not a coincidence. This is in the plan of God. This is her, her moment. God has placed her there to save the Jews. And that was true. So she had to recognize her Kairos moment in all of the duration, all the chronos of time from the day she was born to that moment. That was all chronos, but now here's Kairos. Here's this point in time, this moment in time, this appointed time, this divine time when she'd have to go in. And you know if you read the story, she did go in and he held out the golden scepter and received her. And the whole plan began to unravel 
and Haman was hung on his own gallows and so forth. But it all hinged, it was all in that one pivotal moment in that one young, beautiful Jewess's life. The whole nation hung on the balance. In 2 Kings chapter 2, it tells us there, of course, about Elisha and how that in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, his predecessor, came when he was farming in the field and he took off his coat and put it over him and he knew immediately that was the sign. I'm going to be the next great prophet in Israel. Elijah is telling me this by doing this. So they knew the signs. It would take a little while before it would happen. But when it came near the time for it to happen, and all of the prophets knew that the hour had come when Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven, Elisha draws alongside him. In 2 Kings 2, it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? He said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. I know this is my Kairos hour. I know it. Then Elisha said, Elijah said to Elisha, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? He answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. He said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah shook, uh, took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses and fire of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. Then he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. He knew that his hour had come, that his Kairos moment had arrived, and he was fully aware of it. 
So out of all of the chronos time of his life, out of the years since the day he was born, came this one moment in his life and his history. And he knew it. And he would not leave the side of the great prophet. Even though he was discouraged, he was tested, but he would not leave because he knew that his hour had come. Joseph was thrown into the pit. He ended up in the prison. And then he finally ended up in the palace. And in that moment in the prison, whenever the king had that dream that he couldn't interpret, and then after two years, how the butler remembered the interpreter of dreams who was in the prison. And he was sent for. And he revealed the dream. And he was elevated to prime minister of all of Egypt. A prince in Egypt. What a story. Do you know it was 13 years from he went into that pit till he arrived in that palace? And look all the things that he went through in that time. All the disappointment, the lies that was told about, and the character assassination, all of that stuff that would have crushed any man. But he hung in there and he trusted God until that Kairos moment arrived. Do you know it was about 22 years before he saw his brothers again? Because once he was released, you remember then there was the seven fat years before the seven lean years. And it was in the seven lean years that his brothers came to see him. So it must have been 20, 22 years before he saw them again. That was another Kairos moment, by the way. But you see, at that moment in that prison, that's when God says, now is the time. And he came out of that. God often has visitations, whether it's for a church or for a town or for a community or for a nation. There are times, specific, appointed times when God moves unusually. Suddenly the routine, the normal is interrupted and God's on the move. In 1804 and 1805, in Wales, there was a fantastic revival. A young man by the name of Evan Roberts, a collier, a coal miner. He was only in his mid-twenties. And God used him mightily. A hundred thousand people came to Christ in that one year. Isn't that amazing? Suddenly, God moved and everything changed. And churches were packed and full to overflowing. They had to put extra seating out to contain the people that was coming to the house of God. In 1859 in Northern Ireland, again God moved mightily. And again, a hundred thousand, a tenth of the population of Northern Ireland were saved in one year, the year of grace it was called, wasn't it? written up in all of the papers. Yes, it had its critics. Every revival does. Written up in all the papers. People flocking, flocking to the house of God. The prayer meetings were filled to overflowing. There's churches that had a thousand at their prayer meeting. There was that many that were standing out in the streets in Balamina that couldn't get into the churches for the prayer meeting. 
It was a Kairos moment. It was a divinely appointed time. On April the 9th, 1906, a little wooden building in California in Los Angeles, the pastor, William J. Seymour, was a one-eyed black, black African-American. And God broke into that little church in that little building. And for the next few years to 1915, people came in from all parts of the world to see what God was doing. And historians, church historians tell us that they reckon that was the catalyst for the great Pentecostal movement in the 20th century that has still gone on to this day, that is burgeoning in various parts of the world. The Pentecostal movement is the largest Christian movement on the face of the earth. You wouldn't think it looking at Great Britain or even Europe, but in other nations, it is exploding. There's times, there's seasons, whether it's a country, whether it's a nation, whether it's a town, whether it's a church, when God moves mightily beyond all expectations and it comes in a great wave. I remember when in the late 50s in Ballyclare in my hometown there was a great move of God and many, many people were coming to Christ in the open airs in Ballyclare Main Street there were so many coming. There was, on Saturdays, there was hundreds and hundreds came. They came in cars from Ballymena and Coleraine and everywhere to Ballyclare. There was a dance hall, which was the town hall, still there. And Saturday night, there was the dances on. And it got to the stage where the band had to stop because people were coming out of the dance hall to see the open air. And people were getting saved on the street. And it was a time, it was a special time. My two sisters was brought up in that. They said when they came home from school, they quickly did their homework and they were out at meetings. Every day of the week, they were at meetings. Every night, giving their testimony, singing. They said the place was just alive, it was buzzing. And they, they didn't want movies, they didn't want anything, they didn't want parties, they just wanted the house of God. They wanted to see people come to Christ, they wanted things to happen, and they got it. It was a special, special time. A Kairos time. God has got Kairos time for your life. Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hand. Isn't that good to know tonight? You know, when stuff happens, and it looks sometimes as if everything's spiraling out of control, and you don't know what to do or what to say, and it's totally out of your hands. But it's in his hands. My times are in your hands. My own life has been punctuated with Kairos times. I, I look back over this past 36 years of Kronos time since I've been here. And I can point to some Kairos times. Special moments when God came and God provided, and God broke through. And I put it in my diary. I don't have a big diary, I have a small diary for dates and things, but sometimes things happen and you write it in, because you know what? You'll forget it sometimes. You need to remind yourself. When God has moved, 
and he's done certain things, when he's intervened and he's blessed in a very special way. You too have had your Kairos times, your special moments. And if you look back and think about it, I guarantee you, you'll come up with them. When you look back, you'll say, that was the hand of God. That particular time, a door closed, another door opened. A breakthrough came. A point whenever in your struggle, you actually turned a corner. There was a moment when something changed and a corner was turned in that situation. That, my friend, is a Kairos moment. God has got times and he's got seasons for our lives, for our ministries, for families, for everything. Jesus' birth, he came in the fullness of time. Born of a woman, made unto the law. In his death, Romans 5 and 6, in due time, Paul said, Christ died for the ungodly. In his resurrection, the third day, Remember what Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. It was a Kairos time. It was a moment that God had planned from eternity past. The sending of the Holy Spirit and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, fully come on that 50th day. You know, I was very tempted to try to weave that into this morning's message, but I, I didn't. It was a special moment. You know, Pentecost was a harvest feast. And over in the, the temple, there would be, the priests would be doing all they would do with the harvest, offering up the tokens unto God and all the rest of it, and waving the sheaf offerings. And little did they know in that upper room, the other side of Jerusalem, God's harvest was coming in, and 3,000 got saved in one day in one message because it was a Kairos time. It was that special moment. Kairos times require faith and patience to see them come to pass. Paul writes to the Galatians, you shall reap in due season if you faint not. You do not lose heart. You shall reap. There's the consideration. We need to consider that. You shall reap. There's a confirmation in due season. And there is the condition. If you do not lose heart. If you keep trusting and you keep believing. The writer of the Hebrews in 6 and 12 says, Imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Now, I don't know what you're like driving, but my patience is getting rather thin sometimes. If you live in Moira, and you've got to handle the traffic in Moira, you need lots of patience. Sometimes you could sit for a long time. You see, we come out of the Kilmore Road, and if you come out there in the morning, people have been stuck in traffic probably from Darlingstown. And they just don't want to let you out. And you couldn't blame them. I mean, they've been sitting for 10, 15 minutes trying to get through Moira. And here's three or four cars trying to come out here. So they, they kind of just ignore you. You can see their eyes turning, looking at you, you know, and they're, they're going on as if I don't see you. <laughs> and you can't blame them. But it's hard to have patience when you're sitting there, isn't it? 
that we need patience to see the will of God come to pass in our life. God's not in any hurry. He's not in any hurry. He's got a time. And it's not going to happen before that time. So we just may wait and be patient until it comes. That little woman with the issue of blood, she had it for 12 years. 12 years. Suffered many things of many physicians. But rather than getting better, she got worse. Until that moment when Jesus was passing by. And she decided, boy, I'm not going to miss this. <laughs> this is my opportunity. I've waited a long time. Here it comes. And she forced her way in and touched the hem of his garment and was instantly cured of that disease. A woman bent over for 18 years with a spirit of infirmity. Imagine being bent over for 18 years. It must have been so uncomfortable, hard, tough to live that way. But again, Jesus comes along. And in that moment, that was her moment. The man who lay at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, waiting for the moving of the water, but he had nobody to help him in when it moved. And Jesus comes. And in that moment, he's healed. It requires faith and patience to get our carest moments to happen. A carest time can change your whole life. Just one moment can change your whole life. I mean, if you take that to its logical conclusion, the moment you gave your life to Christ, your life has changed forever. In an instant, in a moment. Zacchaeus hid up that tree, hid among all the foliage, didn't want anybody to see him, but he didn't know. All he wanted was a wee peek at the master, but he didn't know when Jesus came that his life was about to be changed forever Hallelujah. in a moment. <laughs> Zacchaeus, come down today. I'm going to abide at your house. Ha! <laughs> what an invitation. And his life was changed. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, got up one day as he'd done a thousand times, made his way to the highway side to sit and beg. That was his daily routine. But that morning when he got up, he didn't know that Jesus was going to pass by that way. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> hmm. He probably thought to himself, I'm never going to get another chance like this. I'm going to take it. And it was his moment, wasn't it? And Jesus healed him. And he went back that evening, a different man, when he came out that morning. In one moment, his life was changed forever. Never, ever again would he ever have to bag at the side of a street. He could go home now 
and maybe he could get some employment, maybe he could feed his family, maybe he could look after himself. His life is totally, radically changed forever. The man of Gadara, who day and night cried among the tombs, he lived in the graveyard, and he cried, he was tormented by those evil forces, and he cut himself. Night and day he cried, everybody frightened of me, scared to live and dead out of the village. If you heard somebody screaming madly in the middle of the night, it would frighten you too, wouldn't it? But Jesus heard that man's cry. Whether he physically heard it or whether he heard it in his spirit, I think he heard it in his spirit. He heard that man's cry and he went and he set him free. And when he set him free, he came back and they found him sitting, clothed and in his right mind totally, completely changed in a moment, in a Kairos moment. Nathaniel, sitting under the fig tree, meditating, perhaps looking at scriptures, didn't know that he was being watched by the Son of God. <laughs> didn't know that that day Jesus was going to walk right into his life and change him forever. God has got Kairos moments for every single one of us. And this year, I guarantee you, he's got Kairos moments for you and for me. And all we have got to do is to be faithful. That's all we've got to do. Just be faithful and be patient and just trust him. And as we go through this year, we're going to see those moments come to pass. And it's exciting because we don't know what they are. <laughs> we don't know what they are. We're just going to have to trust them. But they'll be good. No matter what, they'll be good. And even if bad things happen to us, God will bring good out of it for his glory. So we still win, don't we? So this year, let's trust God for a Kairos moment. Something that you can look back on and say, that's when the breakthrough came. That was the turning point. That's when the change happened. That's when God blessed. That's when God moved. That's when I got the answer. And you'll be able to write it in your diary. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.